Welcome to the Equipped Podcast, where we dive deep into the world of business and entrepreneurship. Each episode, we will bring you insightful interviews with entrepreneurs and business owners who are making waves in the marketplace. From sales strategies to marketing innovations, leadership insights, and effective lead generation, this is your go-to source for staying ahead in the business game. Now let's get equipped for success and get to today's episode. Before we get into today's episode of the Equipped Podcast, I want to take this time and give a shout out to our two exclusive sponsors of today's show, Prospects and Mint Leads. Both of these organizations focus on lead generation and getting you qualified leads on your calendar that can convert to new business. And if you are running a business and you are finding yourself constantly in the hunt for growth opportunities... The key often lies in having access to qualified leads, and that's where our sponsors come in. Prospects is a LinkedIn marketing organization that helps you with qualified leads, but then helps you create content that convert. The team at Mint Leads helps you with your emails. They help you get your emails opened and in front of the right people at the right time. If you would like more information about either of these organizations, head over to goprospect.com and schedule a call today. That's G-O-P-R-O-S-P-E-X.com. Now let's get to today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Equipped Podcast. This is your host, Lane Taylor, and I've got an exciting guest today. We're going to talk all things investments. We're going to talk um, he's a CEO of Cub Investments. He's the founder. And he, what Cub Investments does is a diversified investment company pursuing hands-on value-add investment strategies in and off the beaten path asset classes. This is going to be fascinating. I'm excited to hear. I know he's on a job right now. He's an hour away from his house before we hit uh, record, but really just an entrepreneur, executive, and investor. And correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, you went to MIT, correct? Yep, I did. All right. So, I mean, I, this is, I mean, you're going to, you're going to hear a lot of things that may be over my head today, but this is the man that's going to talk about them. So without further ado, welcome to the Equipped Podcast, Nick Hoska. Did I say that right? Hoska. Hoska. There we go. So Nick, welcome to the episode. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to, I never give the titles of my guests justice um, of exactly what they do, how they do it. So give the listeners a little bit about who you are and what it is you do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Nick Hoshko, um, I'm here in Northern California. I really grew up in the I've had kind of an entrepreneurial journey for the last seven years. Founder of Cub Investments, and strategy has been to find, acquire, and grow um, small businesses undergoing a generational change of ownership. So finding great businesses in interesting niches with uh, great future, great potential, great bones, in great market position and leveraged out um, to buy them from an owner who is looking to get out, um, usually in a retirement situation, and um, make those acquisitions um, perform better than they've ever performed, grow faster than they've ever grown, and uh, really invest and lean into the strategy that has made them successful. How did you get into it? It's always fascinating for me to ask entrepreneurs and business owners and people, especially like in this realm, 
This isn't a typical, hey, this is what I'm going to do postgraduate school or post school. Yeah. Like how, like how did you, how did you even get into it? Yeah, I knew I knew somebody who had done something like this. They searched for a business and acquired it, and uh, uh, and so that kind of where's is where the original idea was hatched. Um, I had come from the startup world and tech world, and so I had experience doing kind of rapid scaling and growth of businesses, um, but felt like there was opportunity. To, in in those cases, it was you're inventing the business as you go. You're inventing the plane. Sometimes you don't know if your business model is even going to work. Um, whereas here. I decided, you know, it, let's take those skills of, of you know, scaling and growth and technological modernization and, um, and apply it to a business that that's the only thing that it's missing. Um, and that tends to be the businesses that were founded in the 80s. They were they're run in a kind of an old school paper way because uh, that's how the owner that's how the owner knew how to run them and um, and sort of put together a modern you know stack of technology systems, tools, processes, hire good people, and um, and focus on growth in a business that is otherwise already excellent and, and well-functioning. Give us an example of your first time transitioning from that role in the tech to now what you're doing of being like, oh, wow, that works. Like, give us an example. Yeah, yeah so we uh, in 2017, our first acquisition was an office plant watering company in San Francisco, a very successful company by all accounts. Um, uh, founder had run it successfully for 35 years. Um, he was in his 60s, looking to retire, and so we, uh, you know, put together a deal to buy him out. Um, and we, we came in and basically spreadsheeted the whole business, figured out what what is the data architecture of this business, how do we build new systems and processes that allow everything to um, stay more organized run faster, eliminate a lot of the administrative or um, difficult work that either couldn't be done because the information management just wasn't there or would have taken, you know, days or weeks of administrative work. And so it just wasn't getting done. And so we set up a new scheduling system. We set up a new routing system and really just um, optimized and streamlined the flow of information in that business so that management had access to great information. And so that the uh, we could just run the service uh, faster and at much greater scale than the prior owner ever could because often these owners find themselves constrained by you know human memory their own ability to keep track of everything and, uh, and that's because the information architecture is just not fundamentally not scalable and so when you put a scalable information architecture in place you put good good tool systems and processes in place all of a sudden you could run a business that maybe before was scale was was limited by you know, maybe they could only figure out ever figure out how to reliably deliver the service on a hundred clients. You know, you could do a thousand clients. I, I so I mean, when you made a comment just a minute ago of these businesses that that grew before they with technology, and I, I can think of a couple of businesses that I know off the top of my head that are still off running off of paper, and they're still running off of ledgers, and they get a pencil and they write a. You know, they write a checkbook and then it's just, it's wild to think about. And they're wildly successful. That's what's crazy about it. And so when you guys are going in and you're having conversations with the business owners, are you, do you ever go in there to help fix them or is it more of them exiting and they want out? Yeah, it's more the latter. So our, our value add strategy is buy buy a good company and get and buy it for, you know, buy it for, pay a fair price. Uh, But you want to buy a good company 
or at a minimum, you want to buy a good position, even if the company isn't that well run. Um, but you do want something that has been maybe even su successful despite how it's being run, as opposed to because of how it's being run. Um, and and then that is your that's your upside, is is your ability to get in and perform and make the business more effective, more um, more scalable. What's the what's the wildest business that you've either invested in or you haven't invested in? Like what's it when what's a typical day like for you to to look and grow within this company? Yeah, so we've done um we're on our third platform right now where we're actively operating. The first one was the office plant business, the second one was a commercial landscaping business, and the third one is a uh, backup generator sales and service business. Um so each 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 is very unique, um, different customer base, different. Um, what what they all hold in common is they're all field service businesses. Um, this information kind of challenge of information management is is really rampant in the field services industry. It's really hard to get a, a good flow of information and in field services because um, not everything's in one place to collect information. You've got people out there in the field driving around seeing things, hearing things. Uh, and so I think one of the, you know, one of the things that's made us successful is thinking from a system standpoint of how do I collect information and bring it back to the office? How do I make sure that those people in the field can operate efficiently by not sending them to the wrong address or not, you know, avoiding a lot of the mistakes of being that being on paper creates um, through your information management and your systems and processes. And, and field services businesses um, tend to be very hard to scale because of information management, and they tend to be very hard to scale reliably and to continuously deliver reliable service. Um, and I think that's one of the things that good systems and process can can basically combat that that inhibitor that a lot of uh, field service companies find. It's wow. So I, I'm going to tell you a really quick story and it, it's really kind of fascinating. So, and it's very timely with, with this episode. So last, last night we got locked out of our house and we, we, so we had to run an errand for two minutes, Nick, and we left a thing of sourdough bread in our oven at 450 degrees. And we, so we left and we came back and we realized like, oh my gosh, like this, oh no, like what, what's about to happen here? So I ended up calling a locksmith. Well, this locksmith, he is, he's a younger guy and he got here within 20 minutes and he gets 50 calls a day because he spends and has these systems and processes in place on where his clients are. And mm -hmm. it's so fun. Like I was literally talking to him last night, Nick, on how... When he entered the market, there were other people that had been here for years, but they didn't have the right systems in place to scale. And yep. he gets 50 calls a day. And he's like, yeah, I just have the systems in place. And now I have three trucks. And I just, he's like, I mean, I hate to say it, but he just, I know how to service my clients and keep them around. And so it's just interesting once you implement those systems and processes in places that you can scale and you can grow in the service-based business. Yeah, that's right. And it makes the service better, right? You can operate more accurately, faster. You could do more. You can drive density. And it's one of those areas where actually driving density drives your performance as well because you're not 
you're not an, you're never an hour away. And the more dense you get, the closer you are, the faster you are. So there's a real uh, flywheel effect of field service businesses, systems and process effectiveness, and sales. When you got into those field service-based businesses, do you feel like that that is a niche? Do you feel like that's where you have found the most success? Did you stumble into it? Like, how did that come to be? You know, I had always thought about it from the standpoint of earlier in my career, I was in management consulting and I was in the operations practice at McKinsey and we were getting called in to do um, operations improvement programs. And I, I had come across quite a few field service type businesses. And when you look, the the metric that the ops guys love is the OEE. It's called regional equipment effectiveness. And it's basically a measure of how many widgets could this system be capable of producing as a denominator and how many is it producing as the denominator. And Terry, I'm forgiving. It doesn't care about why there's a gap. It just cares about what is the gap. And when you look at a factory, you know, you might see 50, 60, 70%. When you look at a field service operation, it's not uncommon to see 10%, which means that you could double the productivity of a field service operation very easily and still have room left to improve. Um, so just knowing how inefficient, like fundamentally inefficient most of these businesses are was our aha moment for, man, maybe we should look here because you can really scale these and improve the performance and effectiveness and deliver better service at a lower cost. Yeah. Wow. wow. How, 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 yeah, no, how, how involved are the, the previous owners and who you were buying it from? I mean, are they involved or what's that, what's that like? Yeah, generally they exit fairly quickly. Like they're exit, they're selling so that they can reach out. And so, and they'll be involved in the transition capacity, like teaching us everything we needed. Now, um, some businesses are more complex than the other, than others. Uh, the plant service business, it was like, you know, two weeks of training and then see ya. Uh, the landscaping business was maybe an hour of training. <laughs> um, in this generator business, this is a lot more niche. There's a lot more um, knowledge to transfer, and it's going to be a few months. Wow. What I mean, I, I think what's so cool and and getting to have conversations with entrepreneurs and business owners and executive and investors and stuff, thinking outside the box and finding businesses to do things like how, how did it come to like, how did you decide? Cause did you go to MIT? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, MIT is of course, Emma, what, what was going there? Like, let's have, I want to know what going to MIT is like. Like, what, what's that like? Uh, so it's a lot of really smart, ambitious, <laughs> you know, thoughtful, creative, analytical people. Wow. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of, a lot of homework. Yeah. It's yeah, it's not known for being a particularly fun place to go to college, um, but uh, you know it's very technical. They take a lot of pride in being analytical and rigorous, um, and uh, and you know asking good questions and inquiring and getting really to root cause of of what's going on. Um, I was on the management side, so you know not in like physics and chemistry and math, uh, but more into systems and processes business so again i mean this is kind of where that was my trading ground and that it certainly colors the way i see the world and the way i approach business 
you just walked into the next question. Like how right now in 2024, how do you see business? How do you see where we're going in this world of technology and AI? Like how do you see it right now? Yeah, I mean, the AI tools are getting so impressive. Um, we've always built our own systems. Um, and you know, for the, for the last, call it 10 to 20 years, there's been this just mass uh, digitization of systems and process. And the winners in that have been of the software, really the, the software companies that make that systems and process easy to implement. And it's sort of an out-of-the-box way. I think the new frontier is everybody implementing much more customized um, tools and being able to innovate uh, and and utilize these uh, tools to meet their specific needs as opposed to just an adopt, adopting an out-of-the-box system. Um, so that, that, I think, is kind of the big change for the next 10 years is you pick a tool set or um, that you want to work with, and then you build your system and process from that tool set as opposed to picking a system like in home services, the one that everybody's picking is Service Titan. Everybody's running their home service business on Service Titan. Um, but I think from our standpoint, we don't need Service Titan. What I need is to figure out what tool sets do I work with and build the systems um, to meet the exact business needs that we have and not adopt this big thing that's really hard to implement and doesn't do exactly what I want the way I want for any anything in specific just so that I can have something that can do everything but rather take it to the opposite and strip it down and just build what exactly what I need in the way that I want it to work yeah I love it in the way you want it to work so I I love asking this question and I only ask it to a few people because as I'm talking to them again I've been I'm doing this I've done this for a while and I love to I love to watch entrepreneurs and business owners think and the way that they respond, the way they ask questions, the way they respond. And like, I can tell that like you were very analytical, like, you know, like, you know what you're doing, how you're doing it and what you're going to do, what needs to come next. So what excites you about doing this for service-based businesses? Like what gets you up in the morning? How does it go? Like, what's it like for you as an entrepreneur on a day-to-day basis? Oh, it's, I mean, it's super fun because the, there's just so much you could build. Um, and there's so many different, like, there will never be an end to thinking about more efficient, better ways to do things. Um, and so it's, and, and the amount of progress you can make um, in terms of just totally transforming a method of how business is done. You take a method that works and it's good enough into something that is like just, you know, light years better. And that can take two hours. And so just the pace of improvement, I think, really is really fitting and exciting. Wow. And it's fun to be a part of with the team, um, seeing like how far, even just I'm in a business right now that we bought a little over a week ago. And we were just talking this morning, like we launched our first app within 48 hours of owning it. And I just launched our third app this morning before coming into work. And so we're digital on a bunch of processes that, you know, we're all done, either not done or done kind of paper by hand um, in a very like old school air pro air way. And they're now, you know, just way faster, way more, way more scalable. Okay. So I want to add, so to that, 
and you're all about efficiency and uh, digital. So I have this like this concept and this thought, and I want to get your your opinion on it. As this world progresses and digital comes into transformation of all industries and sectors, and we are getting super efficient, and you know we're, we're we can do so much things faster, and the eight hour workday is so antiquated. It's like, I mean, we can do that. You know, back in the seventies and eighties, that took six weeks now can take six seconds. I mean, that's how efficient that we're getting. Do you what like? Do you feel like yeah, we're getting more efficient? and we're working harder, or if we're going to be getting more efficient, should we have to worry less and work less? I mean, ultimately, how much... It's a global economy, and the work... As you get more efficient, things cost less, um, which makes us want more of them, <laughs> which brings the work right on back. Um, so, And I think... Ultimately, the labor force has a certain willingness to work. Yeah, hard to say. Right? Yeah. Like m- maybe quality of life improves across the board. Maybe you know total hours worked for per. Uh, I guess total hours worked per output should go down, uh, but output's going to go up. Mm-hmm. And so, does the total hours go down? Maybe not. Maybe never. Yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's an interesting concept, especially with the introduction of AI and and uh, yeah, it's just it's something I've thought about recently. It's like how you know can I just be so efficient that I can get in a, in an eight hour workday? Can I get it done in an hour? And it's like, well, okay, but now what? Do I continue to go and be more efficient? Or I think it it also depends on what your personal goals are. You know, I think if you want to make more and do more than go be it and be more efficient. And so I just think it's a fascinating concept to think about as we grow in the efficiency. And now with AI, I mean, AI is everywhere. AI, I mean, what are you guys implementing AI? Are you using it? How are you using yeah. it? Yeah, quite a bit. The new Windows Copilot is like game changing for me. I've already switched from Chrome to, to Edge because I have the, the chat GPT sidebar and everything I'm doing using it. It's, you know, I'm doing it's doing coding for me it's doing all the doing data analytics and cleaning files for me like there's just uh, there's so much it can do um, we're starting to implement that on some of our apps where we've created the data architecture for a certain workflow in a for you know a form-based system and that we're moving the data input from people typing you know filling in fields to you just talk at the thing and then it will transcribe what you say and then figure out how to fill in the fields. That, that's yeah, that, that's it's so okay. So you've switched over to to you got off Chrome and Windows. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm using I'm using the, using the Windows Copilot, but I, I experiment with a lot of the different yeah, uh, and I use them for various things for my personal flows, and then while at the same time I'm trying to build systems and build AI tools that be used by you know the, the people that work in the companies that we manage to help them be more efficient as well be able to do more with less yeah i got i get i'm interviewing someone on the podcast a little teaser uh i think a week or two and he has an ai based organization that is sales driven and so what he does his company comes in and he scrubs all the phone calls every email every text message 
and he gives very detailed reports on customers' pain points. And the night before a meeting or a pitch, you get this big email that has, here's over 13 weeks, they've said this, you need to hit on this. And it's just like, it's, and then they're, then they're giving analytics to their top salespeople of like, hey, this is the characteristics of our top salespeople, and this is what they do, this is what they say. And that's the type of stuff that is going to drastically impre- increase the efficiency and overall um, revenue growth per year, I think. That's what's so fascinating about AI. Yeah, and I think it it, it changes the role of, of each of the work, you know, everybody in the organization from doing the work to deciding what work and to just, you know, taking the information, it provides much better information. And so, you know, in pretty much every role in the organization, a lot of the, the mundane, you know, less interesting work uh, can get shrunk uh, in terms of how much of the role is so much more is consuming the information and that using time that you get to deliberate and to make decisions about what ought to be done next and how that next ought to be pursued. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what you, that's what you want. And, you know, you, you don't want to be spending a lot of time and money on that mundane boring stuff, transcribing, taking notes, synthesizing, summarizing, but rather, you know, deliberating and making and deciding and then, you know, figuring out your next course of action. And it's, it turns almost every job into a more strategic job. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I remember you probably fireflies that come into the Google Meets or the Zoom. I mean, that thing came out and you like have the recordings and then you can like tell it to give you task and follow up. And it's like, I spent, you know, you back in the day, you spent an hour with a follow-up email and you're like, oh, this is the game changer. Totally. Yeah. I use it on every meeting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. So uh, this conversation is amazing. I love it. I, I want to ask you about your entrepreneurial because we do have a lot of entrepreneurs on here and uh, just how how would you define entrepreneurship? Who is it? Uh, who's it for? Who's it not for? Like, how would you sum up entrepreneurship? So I think, I mean, it, it, it takes a certain kind of person who's got that internal drive and really that's, I think, what separates entrepreneurs is do you have the motivation to go and create something to be the source or that um, because you have to be the impetus and, and it's got to come from within. Um, and, you know, to me, that's really what it comes down to. Um, you know, our, our, our brand of entrepreneurship or what we've, the, the strategy for entrepreneurship that we've pursued has been not traditional in the sense that, oh, we're going to start a company, but we're going to start a strategy to apply you know, to a certain business or industry. And we have an idea of a business that we build. Position has been one tools in the toolkit to get us there faster to get us there with fewer mistakes, to get us there profitably. Wow. So what is, what's it look like for you all with your growth strategy, uh, new clients? I mean, what, what's that like for you all? Yes. Yeah, so Robon focused on the, on the backup power strategy. And so, yeah, we've just made the first acquisition last week and looking for acquisitions, building systems and processes. So this business, even if we were to acquire another one could, grow and scale on its own mm-hmm. uh, your goal with it with this platform is to you know grow it big make it can you know continue to to succeed and and 
2018. I think this one can get, I think this one can get pretty big, um, on a kind of more macro level. I think the strategy of formally, you know, formulating platform, you know, so what types of businesses we'd be interested in built and building where, when, uh, uh, continues to evolve. And, uh, in, you know, well, right now I think we're still in this, uh, you know, some, some point down the, down the line we might, you know, come up with another platform and, and do something similar in industry as a model or strategy. So. If you could work with any business out there, like right now, if someone came to you and said, Hey, Nick, like we're about to exit, what would that business be? Oh boy. I think it's the one I'm doing right now. Honestly. Okay. It's <laughs> a good answer. It was, it was handpicked. We, we could have done anything and we chose to do this. Wow. The stock strategy, I think is, is one. You know, I, I think, you know, backup power is the air conditioning in the 1970s. Um, it is like a new need that is, um, and it's only going to increase. Uh, and that's why I'm, that's why I'm doing it. I love, I love the energy industry, the utilities industry. I, I see it as something that's becoming increasingly essential in our digital electrified world. So. Yeah. So uh, there's a guy, I live in Florida, and he has an AC business. Air, he has an air conditioning system business, air heating and cooling. And uh, we were talking one day, and I was like, you know, how did you get in the business? Why did you get in the business? And he goes, well, when your air conditioning goes out and you're in the middle of the Florida, does it matter how much you're going to pay or you just want to get your AC fixed? And I said, that's a very good point. He said, because I got in a business of what people need. And that's exactly what I did. And yeah, yeah wow, that's that's phenomenal. Well, I, so if people, if people, Nick, want to follow your stuff, see how you're doing, if they ever want to contact you down the road, if there's going to be more that, that you want to work with you guys, how can they do that? Yeah, best way is to just follow me on Twitter. Nick Hoshko, Twitter. Cool. C-K-H-A-S-C-H. Nick, that's amazing on Twitter. You didn't say X. I mean, Twitter, X. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. I don't really know. Are we moving to X? Are we moving to Twitter? I don't know what we're doing here. I still call it Twitter. You could follow me on X. Well, okay. The last question, and it's more of a, a kind of a personal question. Have you seen the documentary on Uber on Netflix? I haven't. Have you heard? I will watch it. Have you heard about it? I, no, I heard about it just now. It's good. It, like entrepreneurial, and it's a it's a series. It's like six weeks long. It's about the the Uber. And I, I tell people, I tell entrepreneurs, like to be a disruptor and to be an entrepreneur. That it's a little harsh. The language is a little harsh. So I don't endorse that. But it's a good story. So yeah, I look forward to it. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. Well, hey, I um I, I I selfishly get to learn on these podcasts about what people are doing in the space, and I really appreciate you getting on here and sharing all your wisdom and knowledge. So I thank you for getting on here. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome, guys. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Equipped Podcast. Hopefully today we equipped you with different things to think about in your business and growth and strategies. Before you head out of here, please scroll down all the way to the bottom on Apple and give us a five-star rating and a five-star review. Go follow Nick on Twitter or X, and we will see you next time on the Equipped Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Equipped Podcast. Do me a favor. Go to Apple, scroll all the way to the bottom, give us a five-star rating and a five-star review. Better yet, share this with someone that you think it would add value to. And if you think you would be a good guest on the Equipped Podcast, shoot me an email at lane at goprospect.com. 
That's L-A-N-E at G-O-P-R-O-S-P-E-X dot com. Until next time, see you guys.